Well, if you, uh, if you are Anglican, if you've been, uh, been with us over the past uh, month or so, month and a half, then you'll know that we restrain ourselves very, very um, strongly uh, from saying the, uh, the H word, the A word. Uh, so in this sermon, when I say, uh, when I say, hallelujah, that's going to be an invitation for y'all to say it back. So you want to try it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. His suffering and death on the cross won us forgiveness of our sins, and his glorious resurrection assures us a place at the Father's right hand. We can have eternal life because our Lord has defeated death, and even now a human being sits at the Father's right hand, ready to welcome those who love him into his divine life. Christ is risen from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, so also by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why in our gospel this morning do we focus on a woman in grief? The gospels take a lot of different perspectives. If you read the Holy Scriptures... They bring out points of emphasis in the story of our Lord. And in our gospel passage this morning, in John, Mary Magdalene calls the disciples when she finds the empty tomb. And they come and they see, and they run away. But we stay with Mary, who is weeping in the garden outside of the empty tomb. We don't actually rejoin the disciples until later that evening. It's kind of a downer, isn't it? On this day of all days. Why are we focusing on Mary weeping in a garden? Why is it through her tear-strewn eyes that we first see the risen Lord? Here's why. Mary's grief in the garden shows us her love for him. She shows us that she loves him. Grief and love often go together. Grief and love often go together. You don't weep over losing someone you did not love. And Mary loved Jesus. And it was his death and his disappearance that she did not understand that causes her to weep and to grieve. Do you remember the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Mary's grief shows us her love. And it is in the midst of that love that the resurrected Lord appears to her to take away her grief. Holy Scripture tells us that for those who love God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For these former things have passed away. I wonder if you come here on Easter morning with grief in your heart. 
over something in your life, over regret, over pain. We don't come to our resurrected Lord as whole people. We often come weeping. We come broken. But we also come, we pray, I pray for you, in love of our Savior. In love, we approach the risen Jesus, even if grief-stricken love. Second, Mary only recognizes Jesus after he calls her by her name. He knows her. He knows her. When Jesus went to that cross, he had you in mind. And when he rose from the dead, it was to welcome you into eternal joy. We've been talking about that all through Holy Week. Our Lord died for you. He bore your sins and griefs. He bore your sorrows. And even now, he calls you by your name, just as he called Mary. What does he call us to? What is he calling you to? Just a few verses earlier in our gospel, in in chapter 19, verse 41, we're told that Jesus' tomb is in the middle of a garden. It's a garden. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. If you've been with us at Redemption Church for this long, you know that there nobody puts little minor details into the gospel just for color. Our gospel is trying to tell us something. It's trying to tell us something about what it means that the Lord has risen from the dead. Because if you think about it, we've been talking about this during Holy Week too. What does it actually mean that our Lord died and rose? What does it mean when you drive by a church and see a cross or a crucifix or you see a statue or a painting? It's really worth asking What is this to me? Even if he was the son of God, we say, even if he was the son of God and he died on a cross and he rose again, that's great for him. What does it mean for us? Everything that it means is right here, that it was in a garden that she encountered him. This explains why Mary, by the way, thinks at first that Jesus is the gardener because she's standing in a garden. Now, why would we be talking about this? Remember where it all began. Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. He planted a garden and there he put the man. What was the man's job in the beginning of creation? We hear that in Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Adam, our first parent, was the gardener of this world. And he did a bad job. We are doing a bad job. We're doing a bad job. God placed Adam in the garden that he had created, in the world that he had created, and Adam sinned. Adam disobeyed. And as a result, sin entered the world, corrupted this world, and death through sin. And because of that, the way to paradise, the way to that garden was shut and guarded by angels. 
But now the Lord has put a new man in the garden. Not like the old man. He was obedient to the end. For as by a man, Adam, came death, so also by a man, our Lord Jesus Christ, has come the resurrection of the dead. And now we see in this new garden, the way to paradise has been opened up to us again. The stone has been rolled away. What was once a shut up tomb has now become the open doorway to everlasting life. The tomb has become a womb. And new life comes from it. Mary thought that she had seen the gardener. And you know what? She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. There is a new man that has come to tend this garden once again. There is a new man that has come to rule this world once again. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls you by name. And if there is anyone here in grief, if there is anyone here who is weeping like Mary from tragedy, from guilt, from frustration, from shame, know that he has borne your griefs. He has called your name. And though we may continue to sow in tears in this world, know that we will reap with shouts of joy when we enter that garden. When we enter his garden, oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Don't harden your hearts. Open yourself to him. We're going to see what happens when someone does open themselves to him. We're going to see two young ladies who have heard his call, who are ready to enter that way into everlasting life. Lee and Laney, our Lord has called you by your name. And today you will enter his everlasting life. I'm going to cut it there because uh, for us here, baptisms, um, these are the main event. The main event. I can talk about the, the Lord. I can talk about entering into everlasting life. And in fact, I want to invite you as well. If you have never accepted our Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, If you have never walked through that doorway through baptism, if you have never uh, made that commitment to follow his ways and his teachings, if you have done that, but you've been trying to walk out of that garden, you've been trying to walk another way, I want to invite you in this service, whether it's during communion, during prayer time, after the service, you talk to one of us in white, we would be happy to lead you back in, whether it's for the first time or if it's for the hundredth time. And I can talk about all this, but we want to, this morning, we're going to actually see this happen, a miracle, new birth into new life. Thanks be to God.